Hello everyone, happy new moon in Cancer. I'm coming to you actually on June 29th right now, which is a day after our new moon in Cancer because holy crap, that was a real tired event for me. <laughs> I was so wiped out and having all the technical difficulties in the world. And I usually record these on the actual day or night of the new moon, but I tried, I tried, I tried, and it just wasn't happening. So I figured I would do the very Cancerian thing and give my body and my spirit the rest that I needed and come back to this fresh the day after when I was able to actually feel into the energy and kind of move through it in that very Cancerian way, that very cardinal water way of moving through. And I'm really glad I did because I listened to what I recorded last night and I almost fell asleep just listening to myself speaking. So I will spare you that and give you a slightly more energized, rested version that has absorbed and felt and now is ready to process with you. I hope that you got the rest and the care that you needed for yourself yesterday, that you were able to give yourself the containers that you needed to feel okay, especially in light of everything that's happening in our world at the moment, which is very scary, very overwhelming, and very triggering for uh, almost everyone that I know. <laughs> and. Um, surely probably you, if you're listening right now, are experiencing some degree of heaviness, fear, overwhelm, anger, outrage, grief, any and all of the things maybe. And I think that it's oddly, I guess this might sound odd, but it is sort of the right time for us to be feeling these things with cancer season upon us with the cancer new moon it's this initiation into allowing ourselves to experience the depth of what we feel of what we've experienced of what we now what we now need to process and what we now need to take action on and i love visualizing cancer energy as the sort of warrior of emotion, this sort of figure that pushes forward, that chooses to feel, that chooses the courage of feeling. And our guest today, Roxanne Morrison, embodies that energy so beautifully. Roxanne, in addition to being an incredible astrologer, is also an actor, a writer, a doula, a sculptor, an incredible sculptor. And today we get to experience Roxanne's depth, Roxanne's expression, Roxanne's soul in a really beautiful way. She shared very vulnerably about her experience living as a Cancer moon, what it means to have her moon in its home sign. The moon rules Cancer, so it's really comfy in that sign. It's like when you're at home alone and you get to express yourself fully, that's kind of what I imagine when I think about a planet in its home sign is that it really gets to express its full self. And Roxanne today really shows up in that way. And I think it's helpful for all of us to witness that and hear that and experience that because this very much embodies the essence of the lunation that we're experiencing at this moment. Uh, as, as you know, the Cancer new moon means that both the sun and moon are in Cancer. And this new moon in particular is also conjunct Black Moon Lilith. 
And Lilith is the archetype of sexual liberation, of feminine liberation, of resistance, of independence. It's an archetype and symbol that represents the way that we push against restriction, the way that we push against oppression, the way that we resist and choose ourselves, even in in the face of ridicule, in the face of abandonment, in the face of pain, that we continually choose ourselves, that we choose our freedom. And having Lilith conjunct this new moon is poetic, is perfect in so many ways, given the climate, given um, the fact that sexual freedom, that reproductive freedom is being threatened in such a momentous way and is really at a culminating point. And this moon represents an opportunity for us to face down those feelings of fear and continue to take steps of resistance, take critical action, take real concrete action to defend our ability to live in the way that we want to. Because as we now know, this isn't just a signal that people with uteruses or vaginas are at risk. It's also a deep and direct threat toward every person who decides to live a life that is not aligned with white supremacist values. And this new moon feels like a call to action to take steps again, to choose ourselves, to choose community, to choose the archetype of the mother that resists, the mother that is the mother to herself, the mother that does not have to mother another in order to be loved and held. It's an archetype that defies the strict binary system that divides us into two genders that is not an accurate reflection of our reality and instead make space for us to seize what is true, to follow what is true, and to follow the truth that lies within our emotions. In addition to that conjunction, the new moon is also squaring Jupiter in Aries, creating a deep friction that also serves as a sort of plug. It's like a lightning bolt or like plugging ourselves into an outlet. So these emotions may be more visceral, may be more enlivened, may be more intense and acute and fast. And there's a sort of recklessness that can come from that. There's a desire to act, to react rather, and uh, move forward maybe less than consciously. And if you're feeling spontaneous, if you're feeling a little bit radical, that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to tell you that's a bad thing. <laughs> I usually say that's a fucking great thing. Um, but on this time, we also have Mars square Pluto, which is a very intense and uh, could be described as violent aspect. So the choices that you make could have severe consequences, and that also applies to the people around you. So this is a good time to be really mindful of the moves that you're making, to be really mindful of the energy you're surrounding yourself with, and to be cautious and, and conscious of your shell, the shell of protection that you place around you, your boundaries, the home that you make, the people that you allow into it. These are all things that cancer wants you to pay attention to at this moment, to be not hypervigilant, but to be discerning. To make choices 
from a place that is embodied and true to you. And the rest of the week, we are moving through um, more heavily this this Mars-Pluto square. And it's confronting. It's really confronting. It can bring up uh, a lot of ego energy, a lot of challenges when it comes to people in authority. And uh, whether it's people exercising power in a way that's unhealthy and abusive, or if we're witnessing or um, carrying out, living out power dynamics that are unhealthy for ourselves or others, those may come into sharp focus and you may notice the sort of inklings of those appearing around this time or in the day to three days following the new moon as we lead up to the exact square between Mars and Pluto. So those are the only the only aspects I actually want to speak about today because there's a lot more we could get into, but I I honestly am so I'm I'm so content overwhelmed and I'm sure a lot of you are that I really just want to introduce you to Roxanne. <laughs> I want I want to just segue into this beautiful conversation that we had that actually occurred well before the Roe v. Wade decision of last week, we spoke on the Capricorn moon just a couple weeks ago. And there was so much spaciousness and, and warmth. And I do feel that that is what we need. That is a really sweet medicine to be experiencing right now. So without further ado, I'm going to segue into that conversation. And I hope you'll stay tuned afterwards for a very long and sleepy, but hopefully nourishing tarot and Akashic Records reading that I did for the collective on this new moon in Cancer. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so excited to have you here. Been Yay. thinking about this for a long time. I feel like we first chatted about it like three months ago now. So it's cool to finally see you on the screen and be doing this. I'm excited for this, this call. Yes. Um, okay. So Roxanne, just to kind of share a little bit about who you are and what your magic is. Um, you are like the essence of a multi hyphenate. Like you do so many things. <laughs> when I first met you, I was like, oh, Roxanne is a sculptor. And then you're like, oh, I'm also a doula. And of course I'm an astrologer and an actor. And um, you just, yeah, you sort of like embody this, this mosaic of art and expression in a way that's really beautiful and feels very cancerian and like soul nurturing. And um, we first connected in PSA in our first year astrology program. And it's been really a joy to get to witness your personal astrology kind of unfold and fuse with your different mediums and I can't wait to kind of get into what that means to you through the lens of your moon sign. Yeah. Mm, I, I feel the same way. It's been so fun uh, to watch your astrology practice and presence unfold. 
since we met on Zoom, you know, many moons ago when things were still like, are we Zooming all the time? Like it was still very much in lockdown and um, always felt very impressed by you and uh, everything you had to say felt very, felt very grounded and smart. Um, so yeah, it's so good to be here with you. Ditto. Yeah, I, I remember one particular class. I don't know what we were talking about, but I think it was a class where we delineated each other's charts. And I felt like I could hear, because you're also a poet, you're a writer, like you, incredible writer. And I feel like the way that you express through astrology and the way that you delineate is in itself like, I can like see the art floating across the sky as you speak oh. and it really just sort of brings placements and aspects and archetypes to life. So, so yay. Love those archetypes. Love those <laughs> um, but today, yeah, just kind of diving into your experience with your cancer moon as an eighth house moon that's so much water mm -hmm. like whoa how how yeah. have you been feeling as we sort of move through we just had a full moon in Sag and you're Sag rising yeah yeah um and we were chatting a little bit before we started recording I'm also in my eighth house year I'm 31 and um, so the moon ruling the eighth house for me in cancer in its home sign, very domiciled, um, I feel quite juicy. And my partner was, was joking to me. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about my partner because um, he has to deal with this uh, cancerian moon and he has a lot of reflection and I love that and I need that. Um, but he was he was joking the other day and he was like you use the word like juicy all the time and i'm like do i and ever since then i was like oh i use juicy like 20 times a day but especially in an eighth house year i feel yeah feel very watery and i was i was kind of looking up um you know good old demetra george queen queen demetra on what she had to say especially about eighth house stuff and She's so good at talking about the eighth house. And she um, she said once that the eighth house is about deeply felt peak experiences. And I couldn't, that couldn't, that couldn't be more right on for what I seek, I think, in life generally, which is where all the art and expression kind of comes in. And yeah, that's... And, and, you know, Cancer Moon being my luminary because I'm a night chart. Yeah. Deeply felt peak experiences. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like le petit mot and like yes. death and immersion and all of these concepts that are like so um, kind of acute. And I think, I think when you performed your final during our program that to me sort of like spoke to that energy that you bring like so much like potent like in the moment expression that really is like 
immersive, <laughs> like mm. a very immersive experience, I think, to watch you perform or to, you know, do whatever you're doing. You have that sort of presence about you. And I find that with a lot of folks who have heavy eighth house placements, um, especially like sun or moon, it's like almost like you carry this energy within your body all the time. And mm. I wonder for you how that feels like other people can see it, but how does it feel to contain that? Yeah, thank you. And I, I agree. Um, I think that uh, reflecting on especially my eighth house cancer moon and how wet and like heavy that can be sometimes. Um, it took a long time for me to grow into accepting that that uh, is my natural state. So there was definitely some like pushing down or trying to um, be more easygoing <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, and I think my Sag kind of helps with that and kind of lightens the load and my Gemini Venus lightens the load a little bit, but that cancer moon, I mean, I have a cancer moon. I have cancer moon conjunct cancer Mars. Um, I have Chiron and the South node all in cancer. And so nothing about that is like light. Um, and so I found that as I've gotten older, I, have had to carve out um, spaces for myself to explore that depth, that depth and, and death um, and have containers so that I can like leave it all on the floor and then I can kind of sag my way and prance about, you know, so I can feel like it's all left, move through it all. And I think that that's why I love performing so much because it does give me those containers to like weep and experience death and experience pain and joy. And I think joy is also part of these experiences. That's like really intense pain and sadness and really intense joy and moving through that ebb and flow very, so lunar, you know, like just the ebb and flow is something that I've had to like learn how to love about myself. Mm. It's taken a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in, I would imagine the experience of living in a culture that often wants to deny and suppress those emotions and fears yeah. them. And mm. to be a person who embodies that and is sort of like, this is how I have to exist. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like spot on exactly that thinking about cancer energy and yeah, like thinking about the mother, but but bigger and broader than that, like this idea of um, capitalism and the patriarchy being so like the antithesis of that. I mean, thinking mm -hmm. about Capricorn and how you have to be like, that's where my anti-capitalist energy comes from a little bit. That's where my like mm -hmm. anti-ness comes from of like needing to slow down, needing to care for myself emotionally is just so not the way the world works these days. And yeah, so that's been that's been a big challenge, I think, generally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't hide from it. And it no. feels like you are, you know, one of the people on this earth that kind of serves as a teacher to others who 
maybe are not able yet to access those parts of themselves uh, through your art, through your expression, through the way that you live. And that's a pretty sacred task to carry through this life, to be able to do that and to help others and sort of facilitating. And as, as a doula, I mean, also that's, you know, so much of what I would imagine you're doing is really facilitating people through experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, to the doula tip of it all, um, when I trained to become a doula, I was like, oh, this is like life training. This isn't just like labor training. It's how to hold space for people, how to hold an emotional container for especially laboring mothers. But I think that that is where I figured out how to how, how to leave the soaking wet blanket energy of cancer of like, here are all my emotions and I just want to give them to you and like you hold them too. And instead of being in that energy, um, which can be so intense to ask of people, um, shifting into that mother archetype of being like, I have them too. And I'm going to hold this container in a way that is brave and strong. And I think that a lot of like bravery comes from cancer energy too, because of that very vulnerable soft center. And I think some of the toughest people in this world are mothers because of that, because mm -hmm. of that vulnerability. And like, you don't cross a mother. Right. And so there's that like gnarliness that comes with it. But yeah, um, yeah that bravery and, and I think leaning in more to the like holding of the power as opposed to like, like, let me just give you, let me just like unload. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I think like about emotions you know you using the word power holding on to the power it's like seeing your emotions as the power source that fuels your life that fuels beauty that fuels grief and and catharsis and transformation and again like we live in a place where emotions have been seen traditionally as weakness and as as energies that deplete us, that keep us from doing the jobs that we're meant to do. But if the yeah. job you're doing is expressing and is harnessing your emotions to power beauty, to fuel your human experiences, that's like, that's what it should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please God, more of this. Yeah. yeah. More of that. Mm. More of that. How do you feel like you were you going to segue into something? I was going to ask you, I know you have a beautiful Jupiter in cancer that is so exalted. How does that show up for you? Mm. So my Jupiter in cancer, it's funny. That's like the piece of my chart. I have the toughest time connecting to. Mm. And I think it's partially because Jupiter sits so close to Chiron in cancer for me as it's like this sort of signature of um, folks within a couple of years of me. And it just like, I, I feel an abundance of, of care, like to the point that it can be overwhelming at times, like the, how easily it is for me to care about 
someone else's experience. It's very externalized for me. And I think like connecting to the archetype of Chiron and understanding Chiron first was like the gateway for me to better understanding my Jupiter Mm. because it's like, that is sort of the power source for Jupiter for me is attending to the healing that needs to be done and Mm. feeling the grief and feeling um, the sharpness that comes with that placement. And um, it's when I tap into that, that I'm able to then sort of like feel into the Jupiterian sense of like expansion and overflowing love and care for creatures especially is where it comes up for me like little creatures like Mm. animals and um not even living things I care a lot about objects and like art and things and that sort of like loving watery cancerian energy comes through in that way for me but it has to be on the other side of tapping into the pain I think which yeah I don't know if that makes sense. Oh my gosh. It makes so much sense. I also have a Chiron and cancer and like, yeah, that's pretty spiky, spiky energy, (laughs) like the guard almost to your Jupiter. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Mm. Yeah. They have an interesting relationship in the second house with the house systems I use. And then in the third house with, um, whole sign. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Jupiter being so, so different than Chiron in mm-hmm. its, in its archetypal magic, but um, yeah, y- you having the ability to care for objects. <laughs> I love that you said that. I think that that's so, I think that's so Cancerian in a lot of ways, like that collection, yeah. you know, that like, collecting of things and uh it's so moon goddess to me like the praying to kind of our everyday items Mm. yes Mm. I love that you made that connection yeah yeah it's also just very rooted in like yeah it's the sentimentality of it and like yeah. the nostalgia, it's so sentimental. And yeah. I would love to hear about your experience as a Cancer Moon with just sentimentality mm-hmm. and nostalgia and like retaining of memory. Um, Cause that just, yeah, that sort of protective shell that can like exist over the past too. Yes. Yeah. It's so funny. I ca- like can't remember somebody's name that I just met but I can remember a feeling that I had of when Mm. I was uh, in diapers and my sisters, I have two older sisters and they would, uh, yeah, they would pick me up underneath my, um, my armpits. And I remember it being like so painful Mm. and being so like, ouch, like they keep like digging their fingers under my armpits when they pick me up as like a little baby. And I have so many of those memories of deep emotional, like baby memories. It's insane. And then, yeah, couldn't tell you like what I did yesterday. (laughs) Wow. That is incredible. I don't know too many folks who, 
who have that breadth of especially like felt experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't until astrology until I started really learning my chart and like coming to terms with the fact that I am so lunar. Um, and yeah, that, that archetype that goes with like this memory aspect that I started to remember more fully. And so I think that that's also my point that I made before of this, like, it's taken, I've like had to kind of arrive in maturity to my cancer placements because I think that they could, they could really misbehave at times when I was younger. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of like frustration, a lot of sadness, a lot of outbursts because my Mars is right there. And so finally, when I was able to kind of show up as like a friend, (laughs) like, like let's learn about each other. Then those memories started coming to me that I always had. And I would always kind of like play with, but they became more full, more like in color. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was just reading um, the book of Pluto by Stephen Forrest just started this. And one of the things mm-hmm. that he talks about is kind of the like, I think you, I don't know if you use the word graduating or maturing into your cancer placements, but he spoke to like the levels of healing that we unpack as we dig more deeply into our astrology and how we can access more of ourselves as we do that. Yes. And to that point, uh, Pluto and Capricorn has been opposing my moon the last Mm. year and a half. And so they're like, yeah, it makes sense that I'm kind of coming to this purging this like really confronting lunar energy because Pluto is like now's the time Mm -hmm. wow I hadn't thought about that you've got a lot of Pluto energy happening for you is this the first of the conjunctions or or I'm sorry the oppositions or is it um no so the first was last year um and so I feel like I have about another year left of it um but I felt this gradual kind of wave um, the last couple of years. And then the yeah. conjunction was last, the first conjunction was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And is your moon the first to experience an opposition out of your cancer yeah. placements? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, um, off. sorry, Chiron was first, um, and then mm. the moon and then Mars. And I forgot to also mention that I have Jupiter and Leo, uh, at, like three degrees. So it's an out of sign conjunction to my moon and to my Mars. And so that just, you know, kind of expands on everything and is also the, the, the leader of my chart because I'm a Sag rising. So Mm -hmm. that Jupiter placement really, yeah. Big transformation coming up ahead for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the shift of Pluto into Aquarius is going to be so interesting oh my gosh as as a fellow Taurus sun as well in the early degrees Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh oh yeah oh yeah what degree are you Taurus sun um so I am uh 11 degrees of Taurus almost 12 and then I'm also 14 degrees Mercury so those two are sitting pretty They've been getting lit up by the Saturn Uranus. 
action yeah. over the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've been experiencing that yourself. Yeah. I like, there's never not like there. I just, there's never not. Uh, I feel like I yeah. have kind of a scattering of things that are just always hit no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Yeah. You've got a nice spread, which also means you have a nice life of intense action to all of yeah. your planets at one point <laughs> or another. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm always curious about the experience of folks with heavy stelliums. Like that's not something I have. And all of my Capricorn heavy friends, which there are a lot of them because yeah, like, Uranus, Neptune, Saturn, and Capricorn for this yeah. whole gen. Um, yeah. Folks who, who are like cap suns and within the same time period have just been in it for a long time. Forever. forever forever (laughs) I know and we're like yeah we're we're millennials you know so we're like we we just I personally just got out of my 20s and so seeing other cap sun millennials Mm -hmm. like that was a decade for Mm -hmm. you of plutonian yeah intensity on top of your 20s (laughs) yeah which is a vibe it's a vibe coming off the Saturn return. Yeah. <laughs> you have Saturn mm-hmm. in um, Aquarius or are you a cat? Yeah. Yeah. Aquarius. Aquarius. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm still in it technically, but I got through the, the high points and, you know, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel pretty like lucky that as a night chart, my Saturn is, in Aquarius. So it's domiciled. And so it feels mm-hmm. like not too crazy. Um, definitely like, yeah, definitely a lot of no's, <laughs> a yeah. lot of no's, not a, like a lot of no's and no other option. Mm. Like not this, but what about this? It's just kind of a lot of no's, which has been, um, very Saturnian and, moving through it really excited to be to be done with Saturn return pretty soon yeah yeah did you notice your relationship with your moon shift a lot during your Saturn return definitely but I also think that the this Pluto opposition kind of blows the Saturn return out of the water sure and like the Saturn opposition to Chiron is what started it all with like in my mid-20s and so that's but that's the main wave I've been riding um so yeah Saturn kind of seems like small potatoes in comparison yeah that makes sense (laughs) Pluto's like you ain't got shit on me yeah exactly (laughs) oh that's joy yeah 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 especially moving through your your um second house I guess yeah your second house Closing yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your sense of like your personal values, obviously Venus, but do you feel as such a lunar person that that's connected to your inner world in a big way or your moon sign in a big way? Um, yeah, my personal values. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that I show up um, in my full emotionality with people that I love and trust. And I expect the same in return. 
there's this like intense loyalty factor, especially mm-hmm. with that Taurus sun. And then my cancer moon, I'm like, loyalty is so big to me and keeping my word and um, maybe not like, oh, I'm going to like buy you all these things. or I'm going to take you out to dinner or I'm going to like check in all the time. But when I do, I'm like av- very available. And mm-hmm. it's been a lesson to not expect that out of everybody because that's not everybody's jam, you know, and to like come through with my values of like intense emotional availability is it's that's on me. And Mm -hmm. if, if certain people want to show up in that way, then like right on. And if certain people just want to keep it light and fun, then I've had to like learn how to like be okay with that. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Do you have different levels of trust that you sort of move people into consciously or unconsciously, depending on how much they can show up in their emotionality? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I keep a pretty small circle. Um, I definitely am the person that can like walk into a room and like enjoy everybody, but no uh really immediately know who who it is that can go there and and yeah. feel more comfortable and more of myself in their presence because of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can relate to that inherent trust that comes from someone just kind of letting it not like letting it all hang out, but really having the courage to go there and to express, to be there, yeah. to be present with their emotions. That's like an instant trust check mark to me. Definitely. And I think that makes sense to some signs and some humans more than others, but I absolutely feel that in your chart. And with that Cancerian quality of like, very intentional choice of who you surround yourself with and whose kind, whose energy and whose, um, you know, soul you can, you can let in. It's yeah. such, a, such a sensitive placement or can be. Yeah. And those boundaries are innate because of it. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think for a long time, it, I felt really frustrated that I couldn't let everybody in. And like my partner is a Libra. He has a lot of air and he's just so breezy, you know, he's just a breezy motherfucker and I love him for it. And I like, wouldn't be able to show up in that way. Like when we were at parties or dinners or whatever, and I would get frustrated by, by not being able to have that breeziness, but I would find somebody and like sit in the corner with them for the rest of the night and Mm -hmm. cuddle, like emotionally cuddle. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's also that, that maturity factor of like, okay, I don't have to be like X, Y, and Z or like, you know, this, this, yeah, I don't, I don't have to be something that I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that radar for folks who are gonna get it, who are gonna accept that and appreciate that in you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like really love it and like love mm-hmm. that part of me and be, and trust it. Mm-hmm. And if, if I, if I don't vibe with somebody, don't push it 
just be like, cool, maybe we're not, we're not supposed to be, and then keep it popping instead of trying to move past that intuition that sometimes I like wouldn't trust. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that feel for you? Is that at all a mental process that you're going through when you have that recognition or is it kind of like a somatic feeling? Do you just Mm. gravitate toward people? That's a great question. Um, It's definitely a somatic experience. Yes. Yeah. I mean, period. It's, it's super embodied. I have a um, Aries Mercury, which really likes to come in and like fuck shit up and just be really obnoxious and, and fun. And sometimes it's hard to balance those two. And so my Aries Mercury is like, yes, let's party, let's go. And then my Cancer Moon will, will pull me back that pull back that tide a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. learning how to balance the two ultimately, but it's super somatic. Yeah. 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 Just sirens going off as you're saying that. Yeah. Aries Mercury came through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So is your moon actually squaring your Mercury or are they a little further? No, my moon is actually squaring my sun because I'm a zero degree Taurus Mm -hmm. sun. Okay. And I'm a really late degree um, Cancer moon. And so there's that square. Yeah. Yeah. The sun moon square. Yeah. The sun moon square, I feel, but also like my Taurus energy and my Cancer energy, they really get along. Mm. Like they have a good time. They know how to make an awesome bed and like, (laughs) you know, slip into the finest silks and just like enjoy pleasure. They yeah. just really love to enjoy pleasure together. I'm getting a visual of your Taurus sun and your Cancer moon just like spoon feeding honey to each other. In bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like drizzling oh like drips of wine. <laughs> so, yeah. Truly. It feels like a very, very sensual experience. Yeah. yeah. Gets a little extra for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Mm. And for you as such an intuitive person, do you have rituals and practices in like energetic shielding or boundary work that you do often that's helpful for you? Um, yeah, kind of. I, I could I could be better, to be totally honest. Um, I I do a lot of acupuncture Mm -hmm. and acupuncture, like it came into my life a few years ago and I feel like it has been such a saving grace in terms of my, sometimes I feel like I'm inside out, like, yeah, right. This like very raw skin and the neat, like the needlework and kind of tuning back into the body and also just like my skin and, Mm -hmm the the fact that it does hold me and protect me there's kind of that reminder that comes through with acupuncture um so that's one of my biggest rituals um that's like that's yeah um I do that several times a month and you know I think sleep is also a big one for me like I really value sleep and rest and 
pulling back, even if I want to keep going, but knowing like, no, I got to head home and like go to sleep (laughs) so I can recharge. So those are some of my rituals I do, but I could be better around maybe some like magic practices around boundary work. Um, But there's that there's that Mars and cancer thing that comes through where I'm like, no, let's, let's go into the emotional depth yeah that like warrior energy that I have to be like it's okay like you know calm down we can go home and you need to like put up those shields sometimes need some water you need some water <laughs> yeah yes. precisely yeah well especially in the eighth house the depth of those placements wanting to go below the surface and it's like are we deep enough no not yet like I can just hear that <laughs> I'm nodding profusely and closing my (laughs) eyes to all the listeners. Um, Yeah. And so that's why I think that the containers are so important. The like, leave it on the floor energy, because then you can just do it and do it as fully and as deeply as you want. And then like, exhaust yourself, you know, like, yeah, let let it all, let it all go. So I'm such a, um, I think that's, ultimately where art comes in to play um that I can paint my I can paint my emotions I can sculpt my emotions I can act my emotions and I feel very fulfilled by that how has your art and your expression changed since you've gotten more in touch with your astrology Hmm. I mean it's so much more intentional in a yeah to to explain it in the most broad way um as an actor I have created charts for all of my characters and that has been so lovely because it's it's also been that um that's where the boundary is where it's like oh yeah it's not me it's another chart And how can I fully embody this other chart and access these points without it being me? Um, And then, yeah, like kind of going back to uh, the maturity aspect of arriving in my cancer energy is being like, okay, honey, you need to sit and sculpt for four hours so that you can feel better and like move through something. And then... And, and like intentionally knowing that that's me arriving in maturity to my cancer placements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're very much reparenting yourself in those moments. And that's yeah. like such a cancerian thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's so funny you say that because as a kid, um, I played soccer a lot and I hated it. <laughs> like, like played it for like nine years or something. And I just like did not enjoy it. And all I wanted to do was draw and or play house. And so, yeah, the reparenting aspect is like, oh, yeah, if if I was my parent, I would probably notice that I didn't like soccer very much and like asked if I wanted to do something else. But it was just kind of going with the flow and, you know, the social aspect of it. And now you get to instead of telling yourself to go play soccer, you get to tell yourself to go sculpt. (laughs) Yeah. To to reparent the parts that can make that choice. Exactly. Go sculpt some boobs, which is very 
cancer, I guess. Yeah. Big my time. love for boobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just the wet, like so mm. much moisture. When you were saying that at the beginning of the call, I just pictured this like juicy nectarine or like some sort of like just juicy fruit feels like a cancer moon to me. Mm. Yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of juice to be had with that placement. And I feel very um, fertile and not in the way, like, yes, I totally want to have babies one day and I feel it. I feel their presence in my womb actually, Mm -hmm. which is why I love being a birth doula. Um, So I feel very connected to that path, but more so just like, I feel, um, yeah, that it just has a lot of fertility in, in, in an everyday sense of thoughts and feelings and ideas that I may have absolutely comes from my womb space. And that's the space that actually lights up the most when I'm like in a yoga practice and, Mm. um, like my womb space will send the rest of my body, um, warmth. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. How long has that been an experience for you? It started a few years ago. Um, So yeah, this like Pluto energy definitely feels very tied into everything and just becoming more of an adult and kind of growing up as a woman. But uh, yeah, you know that practice when you lay down and somebody holds like um, a string with something tied to the bottom of it, like a, like a pencil or a magnet, mm-hmm. and they'll hold it over your chakras. Have you ever done that before? No, I haven't. Uh, okay, you should. I'll I'll send you like the details of how to do this. But you basically lay down. You have a string, you tie something that's like heavy to the bottom of the string and you have Mm -hmm. somebody else hold it over each of your chakras in your body. Mm -hmm. And depending on what chakra is like the most active for you, the, the object will move and, and there will be like more activity depending on where you hold this like string and object and it will like swirl sometimes it moves like left to right and it's it's pretty incredible if you were to ask yourself okay what chakras were are going to cause yeah. this object to move and i immediately knew i was like oh my womb my womb chakra is definitely going to show up for me and it and sure enough did wow yeah rad i yeah, definitely want to do that yeah it's pretty cool sounds yeah. very cool hmm. Um, one other thing, I just kind of looked at my notes and I was like, oh yeah, we didn't talk that much about this, but, um, there's this like moodiness that comes with cancer moons. And I rejected that for a really long time. And it's so true. (laughs) Like there is the, it's the ebb and flow and there's this, this innate moodiness that comes with it. And sometimes like five different moods in an hour or, Mm. you know, a few big ones in a day. And, um, you know, it's like, that's definitely the shadow side of, of cancer and, and cancer moon in that it, if, if it controls you and like, you can't move through it. 
But I think that there's like a lightness that you need to bring with cancer energy of like, okay, kind of like a little pat and not one that like is, you know, rude, but one that feels just kind of easy. Like, yes, feel that emotion and then kind of move through it in the next 10 minutes and we can keep, keep moving. Um, So, so I think that has really helped me over the last few years is like acknowledging that I can get moody giving myself like a timeout or a little time to just chill and yeah, just like be light about it. Yeah. So I hear in that the cardinal moon energy, that's like, we feel this and we lean into it and then we move through it. Mm. And that pat reminds me of that too. It's like almost like bringing in that polarity of the Capricorn too. That's like, okay, okay. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, I mean, Capricorn, I think it's, they're just together. They are so together because Capricorn is the boundary. Yeah. And and the cancer energy needs it. Um, Similar to like that Pisces Virgo, Mm -hmm. boundless versus boundary, I think. That's definitely like one of my biggest life lessons in this world. I also have a North node in Capricorn. So I think that that's Mm. at play too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have that South node. That's right. Yeah. So that Pat, yeah, yeah, it's definitely that North node Capricorn coming through. Yeah. And the moon is in Capricorn today. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love. Yeah, when I looked up today's chart for our conversation, I was pretty, I was pretty juiced on it. Yeah, there's that word again. <laughs> I love the word juicy. I feel like right? I say juicy a lot too. It just feels good in your mouth to say it, and I love yes. the like mouth feel of words. Yes, like a fine wine. <laughs> totally, it's like yeah, it envelops. Yeah. I feel like that's a very Taurus, um, Mercury and Taurus thing too. (laughs) Like I like the taste of words. Yeah. I want to eat my words. Like if I could like eat books, I would just give me an edible book. Mm. Sounds great. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so with your emotional experience with your moodiness, you said at the beginning of the conversation that you would probably talk about your partner a lot and how your relationship kind of figures into that. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, has your relationship with moodiness come from kind of the reflection in your relationship? In that intimacy? 100%. 100. Um, I feel like I can shield other people from that to a certain degree um, mm-hmm. and show up, especially in my sadness. And, but my partner is not shielded from that. And I think that that's the Cancerian energy too, is like the people that you're closest to actually really experience the, the full breadth of you um, Mm -hmm. and your full personality for better or worse. I mean, I think that that's true regardless, but uh, yeah, that, that key, that door is open when I become like super intimate with somebody and my partner Um, I remember in the beginning, so we've been together for six years, we're approaching our seventh. And in the beginning, he's a Pisces moon. And he Mm -hmm. had such a hard time 
with my my moods and just the fluctuation of like who I am throughout a day. I'm like 17 people throughout a day. Mm -hmm. And um, he like wanted to, this boundless Piscean moon energy, he wanted to go with me everywhere emotionally. Mm -hmm. He was like, okay, I'll I'll meet you here. And then I'm going to meet you up here. And by the end of the day, by God, he was exhausted and resentful to a certain extent you know he was just like dude I can't I can't follow you in all of these like crevices of human emotion and I would cry I would cry out of anger there's that cancer Mars coming through Mm -hmm. and I would be so emotional and he would be heartbroken because I was so emotional and feel it so deeply And at some point he had to, I think, really understand that it's all not that big of a deal, (laughs) which is like so funny. How do you tell that to a Pisces man? (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's like some karmic learning. (laughs) He's a North Node in Cancer also. Oh, yeah. So we have a swapped situation. And yeah, how do you tell that to a Pisces moon where it's like, yeah, I may be like crying and f- throwing a fit, but it's, I'm just kind of moving through something and I'm, I'm going to be okay in 10 minutes. And yeah. yeah, he had to like learn to not take everything so seriously with me and mm-hmm. not in a way that's offensive or, you know, he doesn't believe me, but I think that there is kind of this yeah, that lunar quality that he had to learn how to embody with not following me and and maintaining his boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. His emotional boundaries, I think, were was a huge part of like us moving through that initial hardship and then kind of finding that we really loved each other. Yeah, and how much easier it is to support someone when you can distinguish their emotions from yours. <laughs> Yes, that part. Wow. Cancer and Pisces moons. Mm-hmm. So many feels. So many feels. So many sweet, juicy feels. I know, I know. And I think that I like love a a moon synastry, an elemental moon synastry, because yeah. even though there are some differences, we speak the same language of like, mm-hmm who feel all the feels baby like I love it and just yeah relishing in that I definitely speak that language with him yeah that's beautiful I love Mm -hmm. I love that trine Mm -hmm. yeah it's very sweet yeah and it sounds like the two of you have really navigated um you know, your own personal journeys with boundaries, but together. And that's so interesting as an eighth house moon with like the quality of fusion, like that crave, that craving, that desire to like fuse with another, whether it's another human or art or whatever it is that like immersive acute experience. Yes. Um, Some big work for an eighth house moon. So yeah. respect. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that fusion can sometimes show up as codependency too. Mm -hmm. I think that's another big keyword for cancer moon that there, there can be some codependency and yeah, it's like, here's all my stuff, like hold it for me and Mm -hmm. experience it with me was so uh, destructive. And it, if anything, it just made me super unhappy. And so I think uh, that maturity of, of knowing that it's nobody else's and they can peek inside if they want to, um, but not being codependent with my emotions is really, really big for me. It's like a daily, daily thing showing yeah. up that way. It, feel free to pass on this one if you don't want to answer it, but I'm curious for you as a yeah. kiddo, did you feel like you had to carry everyone else's emotions for them when you were a little one? Mm. No, I, well, I don't think that I did. Um, I had two much older sisters. And so uh, I was kind of like alone in my imagination a lot and um, not necessarily like always involved with the family. It was like a little bit on the outside. And, but I do remember when I was little, I would always ask my mom, like, what's wrong? And I'd like be in the car with her in my car seat, like, what's wrong, mom? And she would look back and she'd be like, what? Oh my gosh. And then, you know, cry or tell me what was wrong. And I, I, I had that ability to kind of like in my little voice, you know, ask her what was wrong. And, uh, yeah, that was just kind of like my thing. I was like the little mini therapist in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Little cancer moons. Yeah. I feel like the little cancers and Capricorns of, of the world are sort of like the immediate, like knowers, like, like little parents who like come out of the womb, like, are you okay? Totally. (laughs) I know. I would, I, yeah, I'd want to like talk about my feelings all the time. And I had a best friend who had a Gemini moon. Oh yeah. God bless her. And she's like, I don't want to talk about our feelings anymore. Like, can we just move through it? Um, can we like bounce off, you know? And I just wanted to like sit in, in it all. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, okay. Can I ask you a few sort of like quick random questions? Yes. Let's rapid fire. Love it. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so let's see, what rituals do you think have been the most supportive to you in your healing? Mm. Uh, sitting in my car and crying. I love it. Period. <laughs> like, ooh, that's, that's, especially in LA, you know, yeah. like I was, yeah. I'll never forget. I was like, I was like 26 or something. And I was like, so upset and I was driving and I was bawling my eyes out and I look to my left and there's an old man also driving, also crying. Oh, I just got chills. I know. And it was just this crazy, I 
we both looked at each other and then kind of like looked away quickly because we were just embarrassed and felt very seen. Um, But yeah, there's that container energy again, like needing that container to, to cry and to be sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need your shell. Yes, precisely. Does the symbolism of the crab resonate with you? It does. Yeah. It's not like the sexiest. (laughs) And I don't like the side thing that they do, but, (laughs) but the, I mean, shells are so beautiful and, and honestly, like, yeah, covering yourself, you know, from the heat of the sun on the shore um, with like the water glistening, I think totally resonates with me. Yeah, I prefer the mother, like the giving mother to the crab, but that could fucks with the crab. Sure. <laughs> um, how do you like to give and receive comfort? Mm, love that question. Um, I, I really love words of affirmation, uh, to receive comfort and to give, um, it's, it is definitely to like welcome you into my home and cook you a meal and then like have some like little stations set up of like watercolor or wine and like cheese and you know, yeah, like anything that's just really luxurious and sensual, I think is my way of telling you that I love you. I love. Making a bed. Oh my gosh. Yes, I can make a mean bed and be like, come over and sleep in my guest room and like cuddle up in my bed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yeah, it's that's love language for Taurus, of course, too. Yes, it's that. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. It's that language, that sensual Mm -hmm. comfort. Yeah, I'm a fourth house moon, too, so I can relate to that. Welcoming someone into your home is like the highest form of love. It's Mm. a very special experience. Yeah. Do you feel Um, like you... um, like it's hard like it takes a lot to welcome somebody into your home or you feel like that's readily available oh no oh no it takes a lot and it is like it's an act of service that I end up really taking great joy and pleasure in but I care about it so much and that's I think the Jupiter and Cancer too I care about it so much and I feel like when someone is in my home like I'm here to provide for you. I'm here to make you feel safe and good and like meet your needs. And it becomes like, it's very nice, but it can be overwhelming. And so my limit is like, I can have guests like once every few months and that's as much as I can do. Like, (laughs) You're like spent. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. My home is my absolute safe space sanctuary too so very sort of like thoughtful about what kind of energy comes into it yeah and um yeah so Mm. I never actually made the connection between having moon in the cancer house (laughs) yeah perfect sense totally and how because your Jupiter's there too yeah Jupiter is in my 
third house in whole sign and second house in Placidus. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Never mind then. Yeah. Cause my fourth house is in Leo. I see. Yes. You have a moon in Leo. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So the, the shell is symbolism that I relate to for sure. It's mm-hmm. like needing that contained space. Um, yeah. What do you feel brings you out of your shell or where do you feel like you can be most yourself? Hmm. Um, nature definitely brings me out of my shell. Um, I think there's that Sag stuff that's, that comes out too. Um, yeah, with just like feeling kind of free and letting everything go, um, in nature. So I, I, that's another ritual, I guess, is like getting out in nature Mm -hmm. a few times a week, if I can, if every day, um, and then having, yeah, like as cliche as this shit is, it's like having like really deep, meaningful conversations. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, let's like sit on the couch together for an hour and cry, cry together. And that brings me out of my shell. Also some humor. Yeah. I I like, I like some humor. Yeah. I think that that also brings me out of my shell when I can just kind of be funny and goofy and, um, put down that super heavy watery soaking wet energy and, and be Mm -hmm. light. Mm -hmm. How do you respond when people like, maybe this applies to your partnership with the sort of like treating it with more lightness, treating your Mm -hmm. emotions with more lightness. Do you appreciate it or does it kind of repel you when someone responds to a big emotion in you with like, okay, like I see you, I'm not being patronizing, but like, I see you do your thing. I'm going to go get some lunch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's literally what my partner says. Like one time I came out of a I think I told you about this in, in our last conversation, but I had this amazing conversation with another woman and we were like meeting each other on this spiritual p- plane that felt unbelievable, but really overwhelming. And so mm-hmm. I like got out of the meeting and I went to the kitchen. My partner was there and my atoms were like vibrating. I felt like my whole being was like vibrating with this, like the depth of connection that I had just experienced and he was like I can't handle you right now you need to go on a hike (laughs) and I was like you know just like floating and I was like okay and I just like (laughs) took myself out on a walk (laughs) and so to answer your question like yes I need that I need like go handle it energy I think it's so I respond really well to it to be totally honest yeah well, it's also yeah. kind of a sign of respect. It's like, I trust you to handle yourself. Yeah. Like you've got yourself and I don't have to parent you. Like, no. I can love you, but yeah. that's not what I'm here for. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I need it. I know I need it at this point. I respect people who can be like that with me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, my, I have a lot of fire and a lot of water in my chart and like, barely any air. I have my Gemini Venus placement. I feel like you also don't have a lot of air in your chart. No, yeah. I remember gasping. at PSA. Yes. 
Totally we were too. talking about that because I was like, I don't yes. breathe. And, and I was like, this is like the lack of air in my chart. Like I literally don't breathe. I'm constantly short of breath. And you were like, me too. My goodness, that yeah. resonated so much with me. Yeah. 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 Thank God for that Gemini Venus. Thank Gasping God. Otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The lack of air can be tough. I also have an air sign partner and that's been that supplemental, like not supplemental, but like I get to see and I get to like experience parts of life through that modeled in other ways. And that's hard. That's like a challenging thing for Mm. me is air energy, but I always like surround myself with air signs. Yeah. It's like, it makes sense. You get to, yeah. We get to round our lives out. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, Just that like breath of fresh air, that just breeziness. Yeah. Yeah. Love. I love that. Yeah. I'm I'm the same. I have a lot of Libras in my life and Geminis Mm -hmm. for that matter. Yeah. Tons Mm -hmm. of Libras for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I guess the last couple here, we kind of covered the audience question of does trust come easily to you toward the beginning, which, nah. yeah, I figured nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new no for me, dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just doesn't. And I've learned like how to just not have it be the end of the world. And like, you can still carry on a relationship and a conversation, but yeah, it takes it takes a little while to show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're struggling, do you tend to shut people out or let them in readily? Um, I read that question that you, that you had sent me pr- previously to kind of like chew on it a little bit. And I wanted to say I shut people out because that, that felt more on brand. Mm-hmm. But I think that I let people in maybe to a fault. Okay. And I think that that Mars cancer, it's so hard to kind of separate them a little bit. And so I think that that really plays a part in like, here, take it, you know, this is what I'm feeling. And I want to like, I want to give that to you (laughs) or yeah. Yeah. So I think I let people in. Here's a spiky gift. And last question is, how would you recommend supporting a partner with a cancer moon? Yes. So I asked my partner this question um, because he knows better than anybody. And he legit said he was like, don't take everything so seriously. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, and it's just, it's not a bad thing. It's just like, boundaries for sure like keep and maintain your own emotional boundaries and Mm -hmm. also speak up that's the other thing that he mentioned and I completely agree is like if you're feeling if you're feeling something and you want to participate in the emotional conversation demand that space because I think that um that domiciled cancer moon has all you know, it, it has everything at, at, at its disposal. So sometimes yeah. that can be like, I think Mecca Woods said this on her podcast where Jupiter and Pisces energy, everybody was like, oh my gosh, so excited for Jupiter and Pisces. But 
when you have all the resources, sometimes you're like this rich kid that doesn't know boundaries or doesn't know kind of what to do with it because it just has all of its resources. So I think it's the same with a cancer moon. So stepping forth as the partner or as somebody in relationship to a cancer moon being like, no, I actually need the emotional stage right now. Like stop taking up so much emotional room, sit down and like, let me talk for a minute about how I feel and fully, fully agree with that, support Mm -hmm. that. That's very juicy. And (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 As a, as a Leo moon. Oh yeah. 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 Big time. Yeah. We're big space takers. If there's a stage totally. to scream my emotions from, I will seize the opportunity. Yeah. Um, that's really beautiful. And I appreciate that he was able to chime in indirectly on this episode because definitely I love that. Yeah. Is there anything else? that you feel like is at the tip of your tongue that you want to speak to before we trail off? Um, no, I mean, not that I can think of. I, this has been so lovely. It's been such a like treat to unapologetically explore the cancer moon and all of its, all of its emotion and fullness. Um, and I feel like the, yeah, the um, Capricorn moon right now is kind of like holding us a little bit in it. So yeah, I just thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. This has been such a joy to dig into. And um, I love how how you embody this archetype and <laughs> how clear it is. So thanks for sharing so vulnerably and honestly. Yeah. Um, where can we find you if folks want to learn more about your art and your astrology and all the things? Yes. So I do one-on-one consultations as an astrologer. I feel like that's my just happiest place. Um, I'm a consulting astrologer. I think that that's like my identity, that one-on-one. So you can find me at centralastrology.org. Um, you can book a reading And you can also find me on social at Roxanne Morrison. I'm not really active. um, Like the astrological side of me isn't super active on socials because I think there's, yeah, I just, I'm not, I don't need to add to the conversation currently on social media. Um, And then in terms of my art, you can find all of my stuff at Mm roxymorrison.com. I hope you loved that conversation with Roxanne as much as I did. It was such a joy to be able to talk to her and to learn more about this beautiful placement and um, really see cancer come to life. I'm now going to segue into our collective reading for the Cancer New Moon. I It's a little long. It's, it's a little lengthy compared to what I usually share, but it felt right. And um, in this reading, I'm going to go ahead and open the Akashic Records first and do sort of a general message and then segue into a tarot and oracle reading. I hope you enjoy. 
Okay. So right as I was beginning to open the records, I started to feel really warm and really kind of held. Like I felt like I was in this cancerian shell, felt very protected, a sort of familial quality to it that was unfamiliar for me. And so I, I'm actually recording for the second time because I found myself struggling to describe it. It's something that was pretty foreign, that felt really, really warm, really safe, really calm and sturdy. That's oddly, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but the, the feeling of sturdiness came through and it was like being held in this structure that was safe, that had an overhang, that was light, dimly lit in a sort of like safe, beautiful, ritualistic space. And I felt really connected to all of you in a way that I haven't in the past or just, I guess, to to new degrees felt connected as I was slipping into the records. And it really felt like making contact. Like I felt like I was hugging each and every one of you but we were all hugging at the same time. And it was this big like orb of protection. And the word humility came up after that. As soon as I actually got into the records, just the phrase humility feels better came to mind. And for a second, I was like, maybe this is just a personal message, but it feels like more of a general message for everyone as we're kind of trying to figure out how to hold ourselves, how to, how to take action, how to be thoughtful, how to not center ourselves, how to focus on doing what we can with what we have. And as I sat into that, it felt really good in my body to feel into that humility. It took so much less effort, so much less striving, or proving or, um, you know, one-upping, whether it's one-upping someone else, one-upping yourself. Uh, I definitely am feeling that. And I'm noticing as we have all this kind of hectic ego energy floating around this week, how I've felt these like pangs of competitiveness or envy or um, woundedness and, and sensitivity to perceived criticism, all of these things that are super human and also very sort of egoic in nature. And the message that's coming through right here is that this sort of warm embrace and connection and um, feeling of, of collective connection, of, of being in community, of being, whether it's physical or spiritual, connecting to spaces where you feel held, where you feel like you're a part of something and that your individual self doesn't have to strive, doesn't have to prove, doesn't have to fight to get your needs met. And it's this very it's a feeling of calm, calm love. It's like love that just can can create space for you. That can allow you to be without pushing you without trying to morph you or fix you or smother you and maybe this is visionary and maybe this is predictive maybe this is something that we're all kind of 
yearning for or even moving into right now individually, collectively. That's possible. But it does feel like this is something that's really starting internally. This practice of humility with ourselves when we're in quiet, this practice of sitting with thoughts that come up that are grandiose or vicious or hurtful and really deciphering what is true, what needs to stay, what can go, and bringing a patience to it, a patience and a willingness to sit with the process of untangling what we've internalized from our environment, from capitalism, from white supremacy, It feels like a really soft untangling right now. And as I'm saying that, I'm looking at this peacock feather that I have framed on my desk. And there's like two little individual strands that are connected that look like if I were to just put two little fingers between them and push them gently out, gently away from each other, that... Um, it would create this openness, this pathway for energy to flow through, for expression, for space, for breath. And that's the sort of sensation that I'm getting as I'm feeling into this, this whole humility ego stuff. It just feels like really sort of like gently untangling two strands of hair. And if you can imagine yourself going through that process of just untangling, 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 this is me, that's not, this is me, that's not, going through that process with beliefs that are coming up, with any sort of internalized junk that you don't want to be in you anymore, allowing yourself to just do it gently. It doesn't have to be harsh. It doesn't have to be punitive. It doesn't have to be any of these these things. It can be really gentle. And to try that on for size, to allow the healing process and allow the awakening process to be soft. It doesn't have to be so hard. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. The next feeling or thought or message that came through after that was just gratitude that we get to serve each other. It's a weird thing because I am speaking into this little microphone that's in front of me on this desk right now, and I have no idea who's going to listen to this and who's hearing this. But I feel that There are a lot of folks in this community on the other side of this microphone who are really gifting me personally and just our shared community with a lot right now, in the future, and that there are a lot of healers out there, whether you're actively engaged in practices, supporting other people, whether... It's something that you do unconsciously or something that you're growing into. That there are a lot of folks out there who 
I would love to learn from, I would love to connect with. And I think that thinking about the ways that we can share spiritual resources and healing support during this time is really important. And I know I'm feeling a really strong desire to be connected to folks through the wires and not go into these phases of isolation that I'm personally want to do. And maybe you connect with that. I do really well (laughs) on my own and I don't really want to anymore. And I'm curious if other people are kind of experiencing this shift away from this You know, for me, it's definitely this internalized, like individualistic, I have to go it alone. I have to count on myself vibe and maybe you connect with that. Maybe you're working to create stronger community ties, stronger friendships, stronger local relationships that you can rely on and support in these times when these connections are really more critical than ever. And I I don't know. I just, I really want to repeat, like I really want to learn from you. And I feel something brewing. There's, there is something brewing that I'll be sharing more information about probably in the next month or two um, that I just feel like this community, this podcast listenership will be a big part of. And um, it's way, 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 way too early to to share anything about this, but I'm just going to kind of subtly put it out there (laughs) that... I think this is going to be an important way to connect. So I know that's vague and kind of annoying, but whatever. I'm sorry. Um, Okay, moving on. So I next asked for specific guidance on what we can do to care for ourselves right now. And the card that came up from the Lilifer Tarot was the Lucifer card. And... Lucifer in this deck, um, it's not a card that's in traditional tarot decks, but there are these two bonus cards, Lilith and Lucifer. And I actually, while I was shuffling the deck, this card just fell out. And I was thinking about Lilith at the moment that the Lucifer card fell out. So I feel compelled to read both because as mentioned, Black Moon Lilith is conjunct our new moon in Cancer. So that feels important. And Lilith also represents feminine liberation and sexual liberation. And obviously that's a really potent archetype for us to work with right now. So I'm going to start with Lilith and then I'll read Lucifer and then I'll share what came up. Lilith belongs with the feminine principle and brings forth her gifts of passion, independence, self-love, and bravery. An ally to the fiery woman within, Lilith teaches that every transformation requires a sacrifice, 
and positive change cannot be achieved without pain. When Lilith appears in a reading, she's an inspiring influence. You're being invited to disenfranchise yourself from the expectations of others and dance to the beat of your own drum. Lucifer. Lucifer belongs with the masculine principle and brings forth his gifts of desire, vitality, self-actualization, and pride. An ally to the enlightened man within, Lucifer teaches that seeking to fulfill one's true desire is not selfish, and that any time spent judging others is wasted. When Lucifer appears in a reading, he's an empowering influence. You're being invited to assert yourself and take action in the direction of your goals. So I'll let those land however they land for you. The visual that came up for me with the Lucifer card was this trinity. And the first three words that came to mind were needs, desires, emotions. And then after that, it was mind, body, spirit. And the message associated with both of these or you know, both of these sets of three is to understand the difference, to discern the difference. Because when we can sort of talking about gently pulling things apart, when we can discern the difference between our needs, our desires, and our emotions, we really come into a place of power we're able to wield our personal power more effectively. We're able to understand our motivations to better meet our needs so that we can be more grounded, so that we can be more resourced, so we can walk around the world, move around the world with more confidence and abundance by tapping our internal resources, by connecting with others, by being in community, by asking for the support we need and hopefully receiving it. So we have needs, desires, being clear about what it is that we want and allowing ourselves to go for it. To recognize that our truest desires are not based in harming others or based in oppression, but they're based in allowance and self-allowance, allowing ourselves to be the fullest expression of who we are, not hiding away parts of ourselves when it's safe to, when it's safe to reveal those parts of ourselves, allowing ourselves to be embodied, to be seen, to own, those pieces of ourself that maybe we've had to hide in other places and other relationships. And then the last piece, emotions. Of course, when we're tapped into what we're feeling, when we can identify where those feelings live within us and what they're trying to tell us, then that can really inspire greater understanding of 
the two before of our needs, of our desires. And the three, the way that they work together is this beautiful triangular relationship where they all inform each other. They're all interconnected, but they're also independent. And I think that that's connected back to to Lilifer, to the, the fusion between Lilith and Lucifer is following the heart, following desire, caring for our needs, caring for our spirit by allowing it to be free. And an important bit about community here is that caring for others or being in community doesn't mean self-neglect. It doesn't mean leaving ourselves behind, self-abandoning. This isn't a moment for martyrdom, but for solidarity and for boundaries. When we can be in community with boundaries, when we can be really conscious of what we have to offer, then we make space to receive too. When we know what we need, when we know what we want, when we know what we feel, it's so much easier to be in healthy relationships with the people around us, with our intimate partners, friends, chosen family, whatever relationships are supporting you at this time, where can you bring more boundary and more self-honoring? And can you recognize how practicing those boundaries and practicing that self-honoring then allows you to be in greater solidarity with the people that you care about? When you are resourced, you can show up wholly. Both the WH and just the H version, holy and holy. I asked for an explanation of the Lucifer card just to get a little bit more context and I pulled the three of cups and this coming after these sort of like triads of mind, body, spirit, needs, desires, emotions felt really potent because it is a visual of three cups that are filling each other up. They are reciprocal, but they're also independent. You can make out the outline of each one. They're clearly separate entities, but they're also infinitely connected and dependent on each other for their well-being. It's a card of community. It's a card that signifies the absolute essential nature of community in our lives, that we are creatures that are meant to exist with one another. We're not meant to be alone. And community starts with recognizing those internal differences, with recognizing the differences between these entities that live within you and the way that they work together. Because when you yourself are in community with yourself, when your mind, body, and spirit are in community with one another, when they're in reciprocal relationships, and when your needs, desires, and emotions are working together collaboratively, but also standing in their independence, when you can discern the differences, but also understand the reciprocity, 
that's when you can actually be in community with others too, because you're in community with yourself. And again, the three cups represent balancing those three energies within you. It's non-hierarchical. No one of those is more important than the other. Your mind, your body, your spirit, your needs, desires, and emotions. They're, they're not. None of them are, are more important than another. They all must exist for your overall well-being and health and happiness. And when you recognize that reciprocity, that horizontal relationship between the three, then you're playing nicely with yourself and you can play nicely with others. You can show up as your juiciest and most loving self. Inner wholeness breeds outer wholeness. As above, so below. And when I just at this point, (laughs) I just randomly heard the words God's will. And it felt like kind of like someone was slapping a Bible down on my altar as I said this. And I was a little jolted by it. And then I kind of recentered and was like, okay, this doesn't, this isn't like a capital G-O-D, God's will. Like, you know, let's not go there. But what it is, is the gods of myth, the metaphors that we wield as humans, interpreting the stars, interpreting ancient scripts. It's highlighting the metaphors that we wield, whether it's for positive good shit in the world or really nasty bad shit in the world. And again, we come back to this idea of discernment, recognizing the differences between things and the similarities, but first recognizing the differences between someone wielding the word or God's will, the will for their own gain and power versus carrying out what feels like a sacred duty to them. And an important message here, I think, is that Again, there's a lot of internalization coming up, like a lot of internalized, like white supremacist Christian ideology here that might be bubbling up within you where you're recognizing these belief systems and kind of fucky ways of thinking that might be showing up in your thoughts, in moments when you're kind of looking around and realizing that we're living in the matrix and these people have been controlling our minds for as long as this country has been around and well before that actually. And before I could even dig much deeper into that, I grabbed this Oracle deck, Oracle of the Seven Energies and pulled the card Awakening Genius which is all about recognizing your unique unique gifts and what you can offer 
as a way to sort of break through that matrix, that stuffy old indoctrination that oppresses independent thinking, creative thinking, um, and encourages critical thinking. And that is a source of power right now, is recognizing your ability to think clearly, sitting first with humility and asking yourself, what can I do from where I am right now? What skills do I have at my disposal? What knowledge do I have? What resources do I have to share? And deciding how you can take little steps, not not do the biggest thing or the boldest thing, but maybe the bravest thing, which is just acting calmly from exactly where you are. Doing something that maybe won't get you the acclaim or celebration or recognition, but will add something genuine and valuable. Maybe it's donating something. Maybe it's offering your skills to an organization that's been doing this work for a really long time. Maybe it's showing up to an event, volunteering. Maybe it's going to a rally. Maybe it's learning. Maybe the skills that you have to offer at this moment are your time and your patience to learn pretty heavy shit, to learn more about the history of abortion, to learn more about the history of women's liberation and to learn more about organizing and what that looks like in other countries, especially in Latin America and countries where there's been a lot of really radical work over the past many years to enact change. Maybe what you have to offer is your writing, your voice, or just your time and your presence to people who really need it. So coming to a place of humility, identifying where you're at in this moment and what you can offer from that place, not being idealistic, but being grounded in reality and allowing yourself to be led by people who really know what they're doing. I feel like it's important to say that we don't all have to be at the front lines. Um, If we all were at the front lines who would be mending wounds, filling water bottles, making meals, filing forms, sending emails, writing letters, making waffles, (laughs) these are all really important things. And if you can honor that the work that you're doing in this movement is important, even if it's not the biggest thing, even if it's not the loudest thing, the most visible thing, that what you're doing, if you're doing it from a place of humility and commitment, is in itself holy and honorable. And remember that your genius lies within your humility. When you can relax your ego's need to be the most important voice, then your true voice really gets heard. Your true voice really comes through. The next card that came through was the wolf card. 
And this is equal parts finding your pack and finding yourself. Wolf energy can be this sort of like lone, literally lone wolf, but wolves travel in packs. They live in packs. They live in community and they stay loyal to one another. And they lead when invited. So there's a message there for you of staying loyal to the folks that have demonstrated that their, their trust and their investment in your community and to allow yourself to step into a role of leadership when it feels true to you. Be true to your instincts, listen to your inner voice when it tells you to go left. And at this point, I'm seeing, was seeing a dark and sort of wet, earthy path. Like it was, had just rained and I'm looking at a path that I'm walking down in the night through the forest and I can see just barely ahead of me, I can see the light brown earth that's still moist. It's very sort of clay. It has like a clay consistency to it. And then I was looking at this pen that I have that has glitter in it. it, has like liquid gel and glitter that floats throughout it. And I was tipping it back and forth and noticing that when I tipped it to one side, the glitter would gently flutter down through the fluid to the other side. And in the moments when it was doing that little fluttering dance to the other side, I got to see these individual pieces of glitter and hone in on one, one, one. And it was cool because it felt like this visual metaphor for what we're working with here, which is this concept of being an individual who maybe wants to, to be seen, wants to feel... Um, special wants to stand out and then also joining in community and being a part of something that's bigger than yourself and so both are important right but ultimately that glitter all collected back at one side of the pen and that felt right (laughs) that felt like home it was surrounded by different colors and shapes that added security that added that sense of sort of dense protected family that came through at the beginning of the reading so it's cool to to dance from side to side and to let yourself be seen that's important and also it feels good at the end of the day at the beginning of the day to come back to places where you feel at home where you can recognize your differences your similarities and come back to community. Next, I pulled an affirmation card from my lovely friend, Emily Rose's Sacred Space Affirmation Deck. And this read, living is an act of communion. The space it takes place in the altar Prepare it, honor it, enjoy it, bask in it. 
I'll read that one more time. Living is an act of communion. The space it takes place in, the altar, prepare it, honor it, enjoy it, bask in it. Next, I pulled a card from the Reclaim Oracle deck, which captures kind of the energy of the moment. And the card that came through was Absence. So in the spirit of this kind of feeling of isolation that may be coming up for folks, it just, it seemed to, seemed to tell me that this feeling of maybe absence, physical absence, not being around people that you love, emotional or social absence, not being able to connect with people and feeling, you know, probably a bit scared and, and overwhelmed. The lesson or message here is that this, this feeling is here to teach us how to be alone with what isn't so that we can be together with what is. And the what isn't is the loss. That's the acceptance of everything that's not here. It's the acceptance of where we're at in this moment. And it's the acceptance of not having all the answers, not having the resources or ability to create the change that we want to see especially at the pace that we want to see it as individuals that is and then the what is bit is the solidarity and the vision the vision of what can be the vision of what is around us what we do have access to what we can create with our own two hands but even more so what we can create with our thousands and millions of hands together. That is what is. There's so much around us. And I think there's a lot of eye-opening that can happen in the process of identifying just how much you have to offer. Coming back to that awakening genius concept, you have so much to offer. And if you can sit with that, if you can name that, if you can put it on paper, write a list create some sort of visual representation of everything that you have to offer, you'll be really stunned at what you can do. Maybe it's just a matter of sitting down and making a simple list. And again, not the list of the biggest, boldest things that you could be doing, but the most basic things you could be doing, the most realistic things, practical things you could be doing to make a difference. I want to read the description of this card from the guidebook absence is when i refuse to be in the body when heart and mind become strangers when the soul escapes because it's no longer safe to inhabit the wounded vessel absence is when the earth vanishes into the sky into the night absence is a moonless sky it's the light that hits me long after the star ceased to glow It's the empty belly, the missing face in the photo. I hadn't read this before just now. I'm not sure I've even pulled this card before. 
And it's pretty magical that it's talking about heart, mind, soul, body. It's back to that trinity. And when we can find communion within ourselves, when we can create that reciprocity between these parts of ourselves, we can we can feel, we can feel whole. We can fill the empty belly. The final card is actually a crystal from the Crystal Grid by (coughs) Mystic Mondays. And this is Obsidian, which represents shadows, mirror, amorphous. A dark and mysterious crystal, Obsidian reaches into the depths of our shadows, shedding light on what needs to be healed in order to move forward. Obsidian serves as a mirror, revealing our deepest truths. Obsidian's crystalline structure is amorphous moving beyond conventional time to dip into the past, present, and future, and wielding great power to clear any obstacles. Use obsidian as a shield against psychic attacks and to ground your base chakra back to planet Earth. This is connected to the zodiac sign Sagittarius and the planet Saturn. Okay, this has been a long one and kind of a sleepy one. So thank you if you've held with me till the end here. I want to mention that every Sunday for the foreseeable, I'll be offering free tarot and oracle mini readings to folks who make donations to the Lilith Fund, which is an organization, an abortion fund here in Texas that supports people in seeking safe abortions. They have a hotline that folks can call if they are in need of support. And typically they raise money to help fund the costs of abortions for people who need support, who need the financial support. And they also offer transportation back and forth to appointments. Of course, at the moment, they're not able to offer these services because of the bullshit. (laughs) But they are still really in need of your support at this time. And um, anything you can offer, any anything that works for you is enough. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Whatever you can do, if you're interested, you can make a donation via their website, which is lilithfund.org. And Lilith is L-I-L-I-T-H-F-U-N-D.org. 
You can make a donation there. You can sign up for recurring donations. And if you do, please just take a screenshot of the donation. Send me a message on Instagram at Umber Readings. Or you can email me info at umberreadings.com. Just send me the screenshot and a question or a topic that you would like insight on, and I will get your reading to you either on a Sunday or um, if you send it to me on a Sunday, maybe by Monday, I'll be doing my best to try to get those turned around as quickly as possible. Um, And I'll be doing this indefinitely. So... Send your questions over, and I hope I can can help support you as we're going through these very hectic times. All right, that is all. I love you. I hug you. I send you all of the warmth that I can muster. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Happy new moon in Cancer. <laughs>